Good morning and welcome to Books in the Biz. We are back again. I'm here with my good friend, Rich. Rich, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing excellent. I'm doing even better now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, hey, I, uh, you know, we're going to continue our trend on reviewing articles that I'm, I'm finding and that you're finding. Uh, we're breaking a trend here. This one is not a Wall Street Journal article. It is actually from Forbes. So we've got a oh, new wow. one here. Uh, but we came across this the other day, guys. And I think this is a telling sign and is something I have been uh, going over with my clients and with people I meet on a regular basis because they all ask about the recession. They ask, well, why aren't more employees showing up? Why aren't we seeing more uh, available? And the bottom line, as we'll talk about in this article, is there just isn't enough. You know, so in in times past, we always had the situation where when the economy tightens up, it frees up more bodies. There's just more people in the marketplace because as companies downsize, they got to go somewhere, right? So here's the situation we're running into. I'm going to pull up this article for those who are listening. Um, so again, this is a Forbes article. Uh, it is called... New census projections showed tight U.S. labor market for years. So I've been saying this for the last five years, Rich, that we just don't have enough bodies to do the work. And after the situation in 2020 through 2022, uh, what I saw was a lot of people left the market. They just got out. They just said, you know what? I am. My retirement funds are doing good. They're making money. I really don't need to put up with this BS anymore. And they left. Well, they there went a lot of your talent out of the marketplace. So all these companies are also trying to figure out how to work in this new environment where a lot of people are working virtually. And they have these situations where they just don't have enough bodies to fill in. So if you will extend your gaze to the article, there's a, a nice graph here showing population change from ages 25 to 64. And this is, again, recent Census Bureau projections. And it goes all the way back to the 1850s. And basically, it projects out a couple of years, but it shows us where we're currently at in the marketplace. And if, you, if you're watching this video, you see right here, um, we are less than 5 million people that are entering the workforce. It actually, it's probably closer to like 2 million people that are entering the workforce, according to this. And it's not projected to improve much over the next 30 years. So we're about 2023 right now. By 2050, um, there's a slight bump up in between, but it's really not much higher than it is today. And what I hear from other stories in the media, how people are not having children now, uh, or they're holding off to really late, it's just extending that 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 gap that we're seeing. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown of the article. Right. Now, here's what we need to talk about, each of us, is how does that impact the business? If there's not enough people coming in, what can you do? And the article goes into a number of different examples. You know, they talk about retention. They talk about recruitment and, and different things like that. But let's let's kind of touch on retention first. So I don't know about you, but if there's a limited number of bodies that are working and they are all currently employed, or at least a high, high percentage of them are employed, 
the only thing I can see doing is you have to steal from somebody else. Well, if you're stealing from somebody else, guess what somebody else is doing? They are trying to steal from you. Yeah. Now, I don't know what you've experienced in, in the finance world, but you know what I experience is, especially here in the Midwest, we all play Midwest nice. And of course, we don't want to take help from other people because we know the repercussions of that. Um, it's a challenge. It's it's a massive challenge. Um, unfortunately, I'm near New York, and there is no Midwest nice. <laughs> so there's I'll cut your throat. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a well. It, I'm in Jersey, so yeah, there's a little bit of cut your throat. But <laughs> um, but you know, New York area, I would tell you that it, it's it's definitely fast paced, and it's definitely we want what we want. And you know, New York's the money capital of the world, so you know, money makes the make, money makes the world go round. Money makes people you know, incentivized to do things. There's so also the there's, cost of living factor that you have too. True, true. So, you know, you get people who might not want to leave their position, but if somebody throws the right number in front of them, they have to think about it because, you know, like you said, the cost of living here is a different factor than it is in other parts of the country. So, you know, you wind up where you're going to see someone who's going to try to steal your lunch because they're going to say, this person's really good. I want that person. What's it going to cost me? And, you know, it doesn't always take that much if someone's motivation purely is financial. You know, they see a good size paycheck change. They're going to, they're going to have to think about it. Well, statistics I've heard is to get somebody to move from a job they are currently satisfied with, not even elated about, just satisfied with, still takes about 20%. So if you're at $100,000, it takes about 120000 in salary to get that person to jump ship. Well, I, I do have one personal example of a person who was working for me and uh, came to me and basically almost in tears because she was coming to me to tell me that she got an offer to go work somewhere else and she didn't want to take it. But there was there was no way I could match the offer dollar for dollar. Mm -hmm. But but I was able to get the offer. I was able to get a, a an adjustment to her you know to her number that brought her probably within that ten percent statistic. I think it was pretty close to what you're saying you saw in the in in statistics. Right. So you know she decided to stay. And, you know, had to kind of go through and, and understand, you know, well, how did that work? Like, I thought we lost. I thought we were just going right. to lose this person. She was really good. So to have her leave would have been a detriment. Um, but we were able to find some ways to get her financially close. But I think the fact of the, the fact that she didn't leave really told me that it was because of company culture more so than it was for the dollars. Because if it was purely on dollars, there was no way she was staying. Yeah, I agree with you on that because um, I see it time and time again, you know, and unfortunately, most companies want to compete on dollars. They just want to charge that, you know, pay that high salary if they can afford to do so. But for most of the small to medium sized companies, there's there's a limitation, as you pointed out with your situation. You can't just write the check and pay people whatever they want. So there needs to be an additional factor in place to keep people happy with with what they're doing and what i constantly see is is this person plugged into a job that's a go nowhere position are they being held 
down more or less by management because let's face it, owners and managers typically want to plug somebody in a spot and they want them to stay there forever. And then they get upset when people aren't motivated anymore and they don't want to to stick around or do that same task over and over and over again. So if there is no career track, there is no growth, there is no opportunity, here's what you get. And it really comes down to, again, that culture that you talk about. And culture starts at the top. It's really about how you treat people and what your expectations are of them and also understanding what their expectations are of you. And we have two generations right now that have been both brought up in a way different scenario than, say, you or I were. And there's that expectation for coaching. There's that expectation for mentorship and support that I don't see a lot of people getting. Yeah, I I have to admit that when I first got into my first jobs where I was considered, you know, leadership, um, I was a little bit more of a sink or swim type person, you know, give them the task and see if they could actually accomplish it. And, you know, not really kind of leaning over and watching over their shoulder, thought that, you know, they have to show me a little bit more of they can do it. Um and I don't think the new generations are receptive to that. I think, you know, they want you to walk through. They want you to be sitting there. And it's hard because in my type of profession, you know, the economics are bad. You know, if right. I'm sitting with you, I'm not doing anything else. So, you know, the cost of getting done what you're getting done is now really, really high. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the problem with productive versus non-productive employees. And most (laughs) managers, especially I know in finance industry, there is a certain level of production that's expected. I see that in accounting. I see that in legal, um, dentistry, all these professions where the professional has to do the job. Yeah. We used to be be managed by a number. I mean, literally, literally by a number, you know, so your your productivity is 100% correct. You know, you have to have this many billable hours for the year. Yep. Oh boy. And then that number is just dauntingly sitting over top of you. So there's been plenty, I think, of creativity on how do you get the same type of productivity without dangling a number and, you know, that big red number over there, like this is what you're short, um, you know, because then you're just focused on that number. You're not focused on anything else. So, right. you know, I think creativity is, is going to really play a big part in everything that we're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to keep this relatively short today, but we could, you know, spend hours talking about there's automation that you can do. There's uh, optimizing your, your workflow. That's a huge one that can be done. Um, There is enrolling your staff into helping with a lot of these production changes to make things more efficient. You know, the people that do the job day in and day out when asked will often give you some pretty good advice. The problem is they're almost never asked. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the other side of this, though. So, sure. you know, we talked about worker productivity a little bit. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that today because, again, we could we could spend hours upon hours on end. Uh, we did talk about employee retention. Let's talk about recruiting because yeah. I think it's the retention, the recruiting that are probably the, the leading factors to a lot of this. So um, you talked about how culture was allowing you to retain. Well, what happens when you have to find new people? Because if your company is growing, you always have to be looking for different ways to add bodies to help do the work. And companies still seem to just think they can hang a shingle on the door and people are going to walk in. And that's just not the case anymore. 
I think um, I think there's a there's definitely a, a size factor in here too. I think that we have to kind of throw into the mix, you know, um, especially when we're talking about smaller companies. Smaller companies definitely follow what you just said. They definitely sit there and say, "I'm going to hang out a shingle that says, you know, hiring." You know, or they're going to put the big circle on your on their profile picture mm -hmm. in LinkedIn, right? No, I'm hiring. Oh, okay, great. Um, but I think the smaller firms are still thinking they can try to do that because the smaller firms, you know, smaller enterprises are basically the owner has a lot more to do in the company than when you get to a bigger company that has a management structure and a, a board and, you know, they're kind of looking at things from a 50,000 foot level, as opposed to the guy that's doing the work, as well as hiring the people, as well as doing the biz dev, you know, that person's so involved, they think we're just going to do what we always did and put out a, a right. shingle. Well, but these I, larger companies also have much deeper pockets. So let's face it, yeah, you know, they yeah, can play the money game to a certain extent. Yeah, that's enormous. That's an enormous factor because those people are now running into how do we, you know, how do we recruit? Because they're looking at charts like you just showed and saying, you know, we have to eat that guy's lunch. So, you know, we have to be out there first. And so they're changing and trying to be creative with their recruiting policies. You know, there are people in high schools now where it used to be, you know, seniors in college, you're already down to seeing people come in and do talks at high school level, try to just, you know, try to sway people into, you know, their profession, number one. And once they're in their profession, they'll remember, oh, I remember talking to that guy, you know, he was in my school when I went to high school. So I can't imagine that the smaller guy can send somebody out to spend a day at the high school. Well, I'll one up you there. I actually know of a couple companies that are going to the grade school level, putting together programs to start talking about careers or start talking about jobs at a very early age. Now they know there's a high level of of attrition that's coming out of that because I mean, there's even high schoolers that don't make up their mind there, but they are making the investment. And these are not large companies that are going to spend time in school uh, is kind of like, uh, you know, when your dad came into school to talk about what he did or, or your mom came in for career day. Uh, we're kind of in that same situation where instead of just kind of talking about the job, it's now showing them the opportunities and trying to get them enrolled at an early age. Now, obviously a grade schooler is not thinking about what they're going to do for a career. So they try to make it fun or a game and, and just try to tap into some of that creativity. Because as we all know, there are some people uh, like you that are numbers people that you know would gravitate or do well maybe in a college experience, maybe do well in finance. There's other people who are very hands-on and construction or trades might be a better benefit. There's some people who are just naturally gravitate towards technology. So maybe it's IT or engineering. Uh, but it's getting in at those early years and trying to find those kids and then follow them all the way up through school. Yeah. And hopefully what you do is you keep one or two of those by the time they graduate to move into your line of work or profession or become a, either an apprentice or um, you know, maybe they're doing some sort of work study program with you just to try and keep them engaged. And that's really kind of where we're getting to the marketing side of things, where we have to do a better job, especially if we don't have deep pockets of money to pay people to get them engaged in working for us. It's a it's a long road. It's a it's a really long road for these companies to then be tracking. And if the companies have 
you know, the larger the company, they, they still have attrition. I mean, unless yes. you're talking to a high level person in that firm, they still have their own attrition internally. So how do you match the fact you're falling off on the grammar school kid that you met 10 years ago? And then, you know, the guy who met them retires or, you know, moves to another position of their own, follows the money. Right. <laughs> he left. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's one of those concepts you're just kind of your your mind is a little bit blown that you're trying to say i can't imagine trying to recruit somebody from grammar school right now but, <laughs> but it, that's really kind of where we're going yeah that's but that's just you know that's just me it's just you know i'm going to be stuck in my own pattern here because i've been doing this for a long time so to tell me i got to do something that radically different is just it's hard to swallow it it is and it's going to be for a lot of people that are very used to an old style uh, recruiting technique, which really is kind of falling by the wayside now. It, it is more about marketing your business. It's not about marketing the task. And that's where I see most most companies fall off is, you know, when you see a job posting, here's all the exciting things not that you get to do. You know, it's, if it's accounting, well, you're going to sit in front of your computer for eight hours a day and clunk on numbers. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some people that would probably greatly appreciate that. Yeah. There's also a vast majority of people that say, well, I don't want to be plunked into a desk for eight hours a day. I want to go out and meet people. I want to know that I've got career opportunities. I want to know that the business is not only thinking of what I'm doing at work, but also trying to help me create better work-life balance. All these factors come into play. And if all you're doing is promoting the tasks of the job, you're really not doing yourself a service to attract the people that you want. So, Rich, what's your takeaway in all this? Um, I think the biggest takeaway here is I have to get my head wrapped around creativity um, and actually understand that, you know, creativity for these type of changed numbers is going to be a lot bigger than my small brain would have told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but seriously, I think, I think I have to think bigger, actually. I think the creativity is much more than we originally thought because... I really think the numbers are starting to show that this was a bigger problem, as you've been talking about, you know, for a long time. Um, the numbers are coming to a head that it's going to start affecting everyone. And depending on your industry, you're going to have to figure out how to be really creative and, and definitely also focus on the, on the culture. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of the same thing. I would focus, take your last part of that, focus on the culture. To me, that is the the deal breaker, as you pointed out in your example, where the dividing factor over money is, am I going to be happier where I'm at or am I going to be happier somewhere else? And if I can't distinguish between the two, guess what wins? How much I get paid. Because if I'm going to suffer in both, I'll suffer and make more money. You know, yeah. we can argue that doesn't work long term, but that's usually the thought process that goes into it. Yep. Uh, Rich, so if they want to get a hold of you and try and figure out how to retain employees and especially how to manage the finances around that. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Best way for me, uh, send me an email at rveltry at veltrygroup.com. Perfect. And if you need to get a hold of me, you can always go to danpaulsonletsgo.com. Leave me a message there and I will definitely get back to you. Uh, Rich, again, another fun episode here. If you want to, please like, share, and subscribe. You can also visit us at booksandbiz.com and catch up on all the past episodes we have. That is B-O-O-K-S, the letter N, B-I-Z.com. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Rich. All right. Thank you, Dan. You bet.